Please listen carefully. And now, live from some soapboxes on a street corner in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two of the loudest mimes you've ever heard, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast, we are doing an assumption, I guess, a midpoint assumption. A midpoint assumption, for sure. Of Disney Plus's new Marvel property, Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Of course, we love all things Marvel, and this is the latest property, so of course we had we have opinions about it. Yeah, so um, we are, at the time of this recording, we are halfway through the series. Three episodes have been released. And it's a projected six episodes for mm-hmm. the entire limited series, yes. which I have comments about, but yes. Um, by the time you hear this, I think. They'll have been on the fifth episode, maybe, if I'm doing my math right. About that. It started March 30th. They say they're going to go till May 4th. Okay. It's a weekly release like we're a fan of. Okay. So there will be spoilers here for the first three episodes, but if you have not seen them by this point, we're a couple weeks past the third episode. (laughs) Um, You've had your warning, though. But yes. Spoiler alert. But only for the first three. So Moon Knight, we heard about this, geez, what, two years ago? It's been featured on at least two episodes of Nerd Alerts as the trailers come out mm-hmm. and the announcement was made. Yep. It was the uh, as part of the announcement of this current phase. Yep. We're in four now? Phase four. Phase four. Magic and sorcery and, and uh, Doctor Strange and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it was one of the things that was announced in phase four. We heard that Oscar Isaac was going to be in it. We got very excited because he was Poe Dameron, one of the best things about these sequels. And just a great actor in in general, inside Llewellyn Davis, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So, yeah, he's been in so much good stuff. He was in an X-Men movie, also playing an Egyptian bad guy, but everybody forgot about that when they came to Moon Knight. (laughs) So, Moon Knight, what did you know about Moon Knight before watching the series? Uh, only a loose familiarization. Like I've seen, you can see the memes online, like the random bullcrap go, like you see that everywhere. And that he was always described and I always perceived him as a palette swap Batman. Like he has money. He's kind of human, kind of not human, but just has stuff at his disposal to do what Batman does. And that's take out bad guys in the shadows. Mm -hmm. But like, as far as the lore or the history or like, the the wibbly wobbly time stuff of Moon Knight that that was this is all new to me. Yeah, it's pretty much the same for me too. I did read some Moon Knight, but I think I misunderstood it. Okay, um, I didn't realize that he was struggling with the different personas. Yep, I literally thought he just had like was super cool and had multiple aliases. Or it could have been like a flash thing where it's like he's one person has the mantle and then it just passes on to somebody else. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I reading it, I literally thought he just had multiple aliases. Oh, there you go. So I had no idea that it was supposed to be like um, disassociative person. What is it called? Did? Yeah. What they're calling disassociative identity disorder. There are way too many did to dis in that. I mean, it's multiple personalities. It is mental illness. Yeah. Like I mean, Batman has trauma and all that stuff, but this is a little bit heavier. Yeah. Um. So. Moon Knight, um, as, as we knew it at the time, you know, like we, like Mikey said, kind of Marvel Batman, sort of. But that's, I mean, other than the fact that 
one of the personas was a millionaire playboy mm-hmm. and he only worked at night. Mm-hmm. Really, that's kind of where it stops. That Yeah, that's the basic similarity. As far as the similarity goes. I'd say that he has a lot more interesting things going on. And funnily enough, funnily? Is that even a word? Funnily enough, yep. where Batman is like known for being like pretty much the only DC hero who's just like has no powers other than money and gadgets and is pretty much just plain. Yep. Moon Knight actually has a whole like superhero mystically, like magically origin to him. He, he's powered by an Egyptian god. Yeah. There's that supernatural element to it, for sure. So that's it's kind of interesting. So I guess people are just like, oh, millionaire playboy who is at night. That's Batman, right? And it's like, <laughs> well, there's a little more to it than that. No, there's Egyptian mythology. Oh, that's yeah. one of the things that brought me on board. But yes. This show stars Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, and the other alias who hasn't been named yet, because he's supposed to have three. Uh, Make Kalamaway as Layla. Kareem Al-Hakim and F. Murray Abraham as Conchu. One's the voice, one's the body, yep. And Ethan Hawke as Arthur Harrow. Those are our main players for Those sure. Are the main players. And then as far as the creative team behind this, these are all pretty fresh faces. Like this isn't your Dave Filoni's, this isn't your John Favreau's, yeah. this isn't your James Gunn. These aren't the Marvel heavy hitters. They brought in all new talent. Uh, a lot of Egyptian talent to help bring in the mythology. Uh, the main show is run and created by Jeremy Slater, who I really only know from a B-horror movie called The Project Lazarus, which is a great Saturday movie, but this is a complete level up for him. Mm-hmm. There's about three different directors for all these episodes. We've seen uh, three of them so far for the first three episodes, but I think they're knocking it out of the park, even though mm-hmm. they're they're sort of... Uh, if you go, their IMDb pages might not be as long as you would expect. Yeah, because they were looking for Egyptian talent, and they have, I know, one Egyptian director. Uh, Mohammed Daib. Yeah, and I guess that he, uh, I saw an interview with him where he was very, it was very important to him to show Egypt uh, in a more realistic perspective. Mm-hmm. The fact that he said a lot of people outside of Egypt don't realize that the pyramids are like right next to the city. Yep. And in this, they actually show, they show a shot where you can see. He opens up the window yeah, and it's like, pyramids are right there. They're right there. Yep. I, people think it's like way out in the desert and it's not nope. at all. And um, also he wanted to give the Egyptian people a little more agency, show them like less as like, you know, just background characters and yeah, yeah. more as like lively and just, yeah, should, should we have our bizarre scene of like kind of running through the bizarre. Yep. But... It's not stereotypical. It's like what the bazaar looks like in Egypt. They have them there. Exactly. So it's really neat to for them to go in that direction. Like, hey, this is going to be in Egypt. This is dealing with Egyptian mythology. Yes. There is a film industry in pretty much every country in the world. <laughs> yep. So let's go there and find the best Egyptian director. And take advantage and of it. And take advantage of it. Smart, smart, smart. That's yep. That's smart stuff that MCU is good at doing. Especially because they are putting so much Egyptian mythology, like you were saying, in here. I love, I'm a huge mythology fan in general. Greek, Norse, Egyptian, I love it all. And the fact that we're getting just handfuls of it done properly by somebody that probably either grew up with it or studied it, thumbs up. It's great. So we're going to go through the episodes a little bit and give our thoughts on them. And then we'll just kind of assume... We can do a little pizza rating to this point, I guess. uh, This is a definite assumption because we're only three episodes in. Yeah. So we start off with Stephen Grant. 
who's uh, Oscar Isaac is playing this crazy kind of weebly. Is that the word I'm looking for? Nebishy? I said meek. I said shy. I was writing down descriptive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's he's working in the British Museum of London, and at first you think he's a tour guide, and then they do the switcheroo that he just works in the gift shop. But it's great. Not to already put a theme out here for what I'm going to talk about for the mo- probably most of this episode, but this show has a lot of like show don't tell, which we're big fans mm-hmm. of on this podcast. And this is little hints at that. Like you see him walking to a museum and he starts talking to this little girl and he has all these Egyptian facts and he seems like a nerd and you're like, oh, he's a tour guide. And he's like, uh, nope, he works in he works in the gift shop. <laughs> but he's already given he's already foreshadowing stuff. He talks about a sarcophagus and how they used to pull out all the organs through the nose, but leave the heart to be judged, which comes into play later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even she's putting stuff into the the pyramid. Yep. And she's like, there's nothing in there. And then we find out there is something in there. (laughs) Not the model, the real pyramid. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, it's a great stuff. I mean, Oscar Isaac, throughout this whole thing, he's just chewing scenery up and spitting it out all over the place. It's great. We had hinted at this previously, just you and I talking. I had always assumed that Oscar Isaac was British. Yeah, no. He he just strikes me as a British actor. Yeah. But he's super American. Yeah, he's like Guatemalan American. But his like sort of meek British cockney, just sort of everyday British dude is perfect. Yeah. It's funny, too, because a a lot of Brits are like, that accent is all over the place. <laughs> and Oscar Isaac was like, yeah, it's all over the place. It's supposed to be all over the place. Like he purposefully is making it all over the place because I think the point that we don't get yes. as Americans, we just hear it and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, he's a British guy. But it's supposed to be like, wait, there's something wrong with his accent. And I think the point is, is that it's because... He's he, mentally unstable. He's mentally unstable, and the he's not British. Ah, <laughs> oh, that makes sense because he isn't. Well, part of him isn't British for yeah. sure. Yeah, is any of them British? You know, this is kind of neat too. I liked what they were doing. If you know Moon Knight, Mark Spector is supposed to be the main identity, mm-hmm. but the way they play this off is that you don't know what his main identity is. Not at all. You still, even to the, even three episodes in, you don't know what his main identity yep. is. So I like how they're doing that. And I guess they kind of twisted it a little too because the Stephen Grant is supposed to be the millionaire playboy gotcha. uh, persona. Yep. But this one, it's like this like nebbishy British loser, I guess, <laughs> sort of. Yep. <laughs> British museum nerd. We'll be polite about British it. British museum nerd. They do a really good job of delaying Mark Spector showing up. Like, they give it to us and sort of starts and fits. And, like, they do hint that he's, like, powerful and commanding because he's like, give me control of the body when it, when he starts showing up. But we don't know anything about his history. We just were following the perspective of this Nebishi guy. Yeah, yeah. And we find out that he's, like, chaining himself up to his bed at night for some reason. So weird. And doing all these, like, he's doing tons of Egyptian research and at the same time, like, reading all the stuff on, like, how not to fall asleep. Yep. And then we find out, you know, when he does fall asleep, He's having, is this a crazy dream he's having? He's not in London anymore. Yep. He's walking around some like European village somewhere. They, they don't, they don't give us a time period. They don't no. give us a location card, but thanks to the internet, we know it's the Australian Alps, yeah. which is a distance away. Yep. How did he get there? And he just wakes up there. Uh-huh. 
Um, just real quick little points before that. I do love that. Like there's one scene where he's like getting ready for bed and he's like, I, I know something weird's going to happen. I chained myself up. I'm going to start playing with a Rubik's cube. I'm listening into audiobook. but they just hint at this a little bit. And they're like, the audiobook says, imagine yourself as a, as a main character in a childhood's book, which chapter would you like to be a part of? And then they cut to a scene and he's reading about the Aeneid, which is about the collections of Egyptian mm-hmm. gods. And he hints at that at the museum. He's like, the Aeneid, the banners are wrong. This only has seven gods. There's supposed to be nine of them. But they're just giving us all these clues without just being like, here's the Egyptian gods that were part yeah. of the Aeneid. Blah, blah, blah. Osiris, Tetnum. No, it's none yeah. of that. It's just like, there's supposed to be nine gods, but two of them are missing. Oh, we're going to meet those two gods here in a minute. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. And there's also, there's an interesting thing that they're doing here. Do you know that Moon Knight was introduced in the uh, mid-70s in a... Uh, a werewolf comic? I had no idea. And what is more werewolf mythology than I can't go, I need to chain myself up, I can't go to sleep because bad things happen. That's it. That's werewolf stuff right there. I don't know what bad things happen, but I know that I have to do this, otherwise I lose time and yeah. I read about myself yeah. on the news. When the mood comes, moon comes out, bad things, it's a werewolf reference. That's great. It's great. That's awesome. He was showed up in the werewolf. And there's also there's um there's so many Easter eggs in this. If I encourage anyone to go look up the Easter eggs on YouTube because there's so many. Absolutely, it's it's crazy the stuff they're putting in there. They put like there's even a reference to that comic where he showed up on the top of the bus. Oh, okay. Like the number and letters on the bus is the reference to the. They're really clever about doing yeah, that stuff. It's, it's, they're really clever about it, but man. I loved the blackout scene. The blackout fight scenes were great. Oh, absolutely. What was funny is is that mm, I'm wondering how Not Scott would feel about it because we don't get to see any of the fighting. It's like something about is about to happen, and then we get the crazy, and then we look around, yep. and like fight's over, hands I, are bloody. I don't know if this probably doesn't fall under show, not tell, but... One, the effect of him switching, especially in the first two episodes, him switching between Mark and Steven, they don't tell you what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's just this effect, and it's a stuttering, and then we're on to the next beat. Mm -hmm. We don't see the the punches and all that. We see him in a cupcake van, and (laughs) uh, there's guys coming in in the back of it. He tries to hit one with a cupcake, doesn't really succeed, smash cut, that guy is dead, and two cars behind them are on fire in the road. And then it's another smash cut, and he's dropping a gun, and the van is backwards with the windshield out. I, I, it, it's a bummer that we don't get to see it play out. I were gonna. I know we're gonna. They're but, gonna do it. But the way they sh- like the way they come back to it, you're like, what is happening? Like it's engaging. It's it's a hook for sure. It's great. I'm. I well. I hope. I hope they're gonna show the other side at some point. We kind of get we get more of it in episode two. Episode three was a little bit more exposition, but we got more time to show just them switching between yeah. their fighting styles for sure. And then the that cupcake van is playing like "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go," and and there's a lot of like they're kind of making you think maybe this is a dream because then he wakes up in his bed. That's it, and he's just like, "Oh, what? That was a crazy dream." Absolutely. He's still chained up. Yep. Um, he puts duct tape on his door to make sure he doesn't leave. That's still there. Yep. Every, everything seems cool and chill. That's it. The musical cues for this series, like they, they're incorporating a lot of like Egyptian hip hop and sort of dance tracks in the credits and everything. But this first episode has that Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, which is hilarious because that's the whole like it's represents the battle between Mark and Steven. They do Engelbert Humperdinck, A Man Without Love. 
And that's talking about like waking up being broken mm-hmm. when he's waking up chained to his bed. And then it starts off with Bob Dylan in the first scene we get, we actually see Harrow first, but there's a Bob Dylan song that basically describes like what this character's motive is. Mm-hmm. Like they're just pop songs from the 60s and 70s, but they're so, uh, so appropriate. It's yeah. like, what? That's so clever. And this episode is called The Goldfish Problem because part of the thing, he, he like looks over at his goldfish, he goes to feed his goldfish, and he realizes that he had like a Nemo goldfish before with like one smaller. <laughs> yeah, one fin and missing another yeah. fin. And But his goldfish now has both fins. Am I wrong in thinking I also took this to be like the goldfish problem, like they swim to the other side and forget what just happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's in there yeah. too. Yeah. So he starts getting all <laughs> all confused the goldfish is the reason he knows he lost time because he notices the goldfish now has two fins and that leads him on his path. But we did skip over the introduction of Arthur Harrow. Like, yeah, uh, he goes to the Australian Alps and escapes into this village because these two guards are in a window and they just start shooting at him. He's like, what's going on? Run away, run away, which I love because that happens a whole bunch in the, the first couple episodes. But we get to see Harrow. This is also a scene we saw in the trailer, like the cupcake van. Harrow's walking through his village and people are bowing at him mm. and it's touching get, the hem of his garment. It's immediate cult vibes. Mm-hmm. And it's just he doesn't say anything, but you know, oh, I think this might be the bad guy. Yeah. And then he starts judging people with his cane and his yeah. tattoo starts wiggling. And one guy dies and the old lady's like, I'm a good person. He's like, actually, you might not be in the future. And then she dies. Uh-huh. So creepy, so ominous, such a cool introduction. I mean, we got the scene of him walking with glass in his sandals yeah. to start it off, but it's so captivating as a bad guy. Yeah. It's like, give me the scarab. And he's like, what scarab? It's like, uh, yeah, that whole scene's great. That's when we start noticing that Mark and Steven are fighting in the same body. Yeah. Because he's like, I'm trying to give it to you. Why aren't my feet working? Yeah. And it's funny, too, is that, so let me just say, Ethan Hawke, I was like, oh, this pretty boy from the all the 90s. Yeah, the, gonna, the Gen X superstar. Is, is going to be the villain here. Man, he's great. Oh, delivers. Great. The the way he's just so, like, calm, mm-hmm. just like, give, give me the scarab now. You know, there's no real, like, anger yelling type stuff. It's so, it's mm-hmm. so, it's so sinisterly. It's so, ugh. Yeah, give me Cre- what I need and I can help you. Creepy. Yep. He's, uh, who knew Ethan Hawke could do creepy? We know now. We yeah. get to see it. And just as far as villains go, we can get deeper into it because they explore it in the episodes two and three a little bit more. But he's like a Thanos. He's not really wrong. Yeah. He's not like, I want to blow up the world with laser sharks and give me a million dollars. Like, he's not an Austin Powers bad guy. He's just, I have found my righteous path and nobody can sway me from mm-hmm. that. And you're like, okay. Yeah. We'll talk about a little bit in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but as far as uh, more of this, he finds this hidden phone and a key card in his apartment. And it has all these calls. Layla, 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 Layla. Yeah. One from Duchamp. Mm-hmm. Duchamp? Duchamp, I guess is what it is. Which is a reference for the comic readers. I guess that's... Isn't that one of the writers or is that another character? It's another character. Okay. And then he takes the call from Layla and this woman's on the other end, real angry, calling him Mark. You know? And he's, yeah. oh, I'm Steven. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mark? What'd you call me? Who do you think this is? He's so confused. But we find out be- through Layla that she thought Mark was dead. She's been trying to contact him for months, but now she he, now he's reaching out. Who is Mark? Yeah, he has no idea what's going on. Days have passed. Is this was this episode where he was supposed to have a date too? 
Uh, he was supposed to go have steak, the best steak in town. Even though he's a vegan. On a Friday night, yep. He doesn't remember making the date. Yeah. Even his boss is like, oh, you took a shot at that? He's like, I don't remember doing it. Yeah. But that's lost time. That's this whole person. Like, there's so many little details of, like, just how crazy it is that he's losing time and switching people and just, yeah. it's blank spots. He goes back to work, and because he's lost days, they make him work overtime, make him work late yep. doing inventory. Mm-hmm. And, of course, while he's there at night in the museum, here comes Harrow back. And he's got all all these minions that he thinks the security guard's on his side, but no, yeah. that's a minion. They're all showing off their scales yeah. tattoo, be like, praise Amit. And so he's like, ah, yikes. And then he tries to judge him. That's it. And he can't. It, like, doesn't work. The scales never balance, and, and Harrow says, there's chaos inside mm-hmm. you. We've heard chaos magic before. This isn't a MCU original. I mean, this is a theme. Yeah. So then Harrow's like, well, I'm going to take you out. You're yep. a threat. Yep. And so he summons a jackal. <laughs> a jackal, which looks so much like Zool from Ghostbusters. <laughs> and apparently, like stated in interviews, the creators for this wanted to get the creepy, darker vibe of like Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters, where mm-hmm. it's lighthearted fun, but you can go a little bit darker with that. Mm-hmm. We first see the jackal in shadow on the wall, and it's like, I'm like, oh, that's Zool. Where's the key master? But no, he gets chased by a jackal. <laughs> This all leads up into the scene we saw from the trailer. Yes. This is where he starts really hearing Mark for the first time. Give me the body. I can save us. Give me control. Give me control. I can save us. I can save us. And he does because he's scared to death. (laughs) And then Moon Knight comes out and beats the crap out of the... With hand-to-hand combat. Like, doesn't use any weapons or anything. He's just like, sorry, Jackal, I'm way bigger than you. (laughs) Pow, pow, pow. But noticeably, it's Moon Knight in what I'm calling, I don't know how the internet refers to this, but uh, the, the cape and cowl version of Moon Knight. The cape and cowl, yeah. Yeah, because there are two versions in this show. There are. But yeah, that's the first instance of Mark taking over, and we're like, oh, Mark does know what he's doing. Yes. Why is he stuck in mirrors talking through reflections? What is happening right now? So that's the first, what was your impressions of the first episode? Oh, so much mystery. Like, I don't think we even got any answers, really. we can You can kind of infer a whole bunch of stuff, but Oscar Isaac's playing two different people. You believe it instantly. It's not like, oh, that's the same actor. I'm like, oh, these are, this is a person that has two personalities inside of them. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke is a bad guy. Uh, Layla, like, who, like, I have so many questions that I have to keep watching to get mm-hmm. the answers. Yep. So we go on to the second episode called Summon the Suit. Summon the Suit. He goes back to the, the, the <laughs> rightfully so, the museum's like, why is the museum trashed? <laughs> what, what, what did you do? And he, he goes over to the security guy and goes, let's look at the video. I was being chased by a thing. And then we look at the video and there's nothing. Nothing. He's running from nothing. Like a crazy person. Like a crazy person. So, of course, um, they're like, okay, you're fired, but, you know, this is... Britain and we have the national health system so you're fired because you have a problem here's a brochure for some mental health stuff go get some help because there's clearly something wrong with you I like that scene because of the one beat also and I I think this is them just sort of either smirking or winking at the camera but because he works in a museum they're like hey did you take anything he's like no I just destroyed the loo I just destroyed the toilets I'm sorry (laughs) I don't know what was happening I didn't nick anything I'm not a thief and they're like well, we're going to need your name tag. And it, it's a heavy moment because in the broad scheme of the show, we're dealing with identity. Like, mm-hmm. is he Steven? Who is this Mark? 
mm-hmm. and now he has to take his name off. Like, yeah, yeah no. it's a small moment, but I'm like, no, Ooh, that's good. real clever. It's good. But yeah, he does get fired because he destroyed the toilets. Mm-hmm. Now there's a, he's like, okay, I'm on a caper now. I got a mystery to solve. I'm losing time. Yes. Which is kind of funny. And it's kind of neat because it's starting to feel like the Pink Panther. Do you ever watch the Pink Panther with Peter Sellers? Absolutely. Where he's this detective, but he's very much like Oscar Isaac is is playing here. And just like he's kind of bumbling. Yes. Kind of confused. Just the right amount of incompetent. But at the same time, really smart. Yes. So is able to solve mysteries. So (laughs) this this seemed like a Peter Sellers kind of moment that he's like, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, because he has because the things he does have in his pocket that he didn't take from the museum, he has that phone with Layla's number in it, and he has this key fob that has mm-hmm. a logo on it, and he holds it up, and he's like, "Oh, there's a building that has the same logo. Let's see if they match." Mm-hmm. And he goes into the store. It's a storage facility with storage lockers, and he and of course he goes in there, and he's like, "I have this, and I don't know where to go." So he goes, "What do you mean? It goes to 12B. I've taken you there a bunch of times," <laughs> and he's like, "What?" Great. And there is one line in there. He's like, I've been to four of these. I don't know if you know who I am. It might be Steven. It might be Mark. I don't know my last name, but can you please let me in? The guy's like, oh, yeah, I know your face. It's like, okay, that works. So he goes over to the storage locker and he finds out it's like kitted out for like living in. It's got a cot. It's got weapons and passport and money. Yeah. Yeah. And he's all freaked out. And this is where you really this is where Mark's like, yo, dude, you need to stop right now. You don't know what you're getting into. I'm in charge, even yeah. though I'm in the mirror and yelling at you. Like, I know what the deal is. You do not. Yeah. Yeah. There's that scarab thing over there. It's important. You need to chill out. Yep. And just go ahead and let me in there. Yeah. Take a nap. I'll, I'll work this yeah. out for you. And of course, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to the police. It is pretty interesting, though, for being as nebbish. I like that word. That I think that's the <laughs> word I'm going to keep using for Steve. But... For as nebbish as he is, there are moments where he does get his autonomy, his... Oh, it's in this episode for sure. His agency, yeah. This episode has a lot of agency coming out of him, yeah. And I think this is the start of it, and that's cool to see, because it really could just be, like, two personalities and one stronger than the other. No. But no, like, he starts to to change himself, so... Then this is where we get to... The first time we get to see Conchu... Oh, with the horror movie hallway light, yeah. the thing that all, if this happens in real life, if I'm in an office building and lights start doing this, I am evacuating <laughs> myself and removing myself from the premises. Well, that's kind of what he did. <gasps> um, but yeah, he's like, I'm taking this to the police. And then he goes out into the hallway. But it's then, like, choo, 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 yeah. choo, choo, and then Conchu is kind of like, I don't think you're going to take that to the police. We get to see the Egyptian god with his bird skull face yeah. and his big staff and his tall little like ribbony outfit. Mm-hmm. I think we saw him for a little bit when that old lady was coming into the oh the elevator. But this is like much more. You can see more of them, all of them. But here's where I'll ask you this, because I think this is uh, not a point of contention, but a point for conversation. So the the actual actor is played by Kareem El Hakim. So Mm -hmm. props to him. But the voice, which is the main aspect of this character, is F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down on the voice, or opinions about the voice. Oh, it's fine. That's Conchu's voice, I guess. Okay. I've never heard Conchu's voice before. I like it. It's got the nice resonance to it, but there's something that's like flippant and modern about it Mm. that sort of takes me out of it a little bit. Oh, you think he should sound more Egyptian? Ancient? Ancient. Ancient. But, like, he doesn't have to be. I mean, he's been a god, and he's been around, and he's dealing with avatars that live in the modern world, so the adaptation makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. 
It's just something it, I noticed it, and so therefore it, it calls yeah. attention to it for me. Are you looking for more like a uh, Serene McKellen, Patrick Stewart type? See, he sounds like too much like Patrick Stewart, oh, okay, and yeah. Patrick Stewart is in the future. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. And and I, I I'm a big fan of the actual actor F. Murray Abraham. So I can I picture him every time I hear the voice. So maybe that's just on me. Maybe. Did you ever see the old movie Amadeus about Mozart? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the guy doing the voice is the guy that played Salieri. Yeah, yeah, Salieri. Yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. But I can always see his face when I hear the voice. So maybe that's just oh, okay. me having okay. too much familiarity with it. Maybe. But, yeah, it, it's fine with me. I don't really. But it is commanding. It is like, hey. He calls him a worm all the time. He's like, worm, give the body back to Mark. He's like, we're going to finish this or I'll kill you both. Mm-hmm. It's like, it is very commanding and the sound design is excellent. Yeah. And this is where we get to meet Layla because he literally runs into her when he's running out into the street. How'd you find me? It's like, I tracked your phone, dummy. Like, <laughs> we've been doing this. Oh, maybe we haven't been doing this. Yeah, It's great. I love that whole exchange when they're on the moped. Yes. What is it with Disney Plus and mopeds between Mandalorian and... This is, you know, gotta have car chases, mopeds, a train scene. There's, he's just so confused, and she's like, Okay, you can stop now. And he's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> drop the act, drop the accent, quit holding my shoulders like a Victorian duchess. <laughs> that was great. Because he's so freaked out, but she thinks it's an act. He doesn't know anything about what's going on. So he's just like, Get me to my flat and we'll see if we can figure this out. And make Kalamui is great. This is another one of those. It's just, Where have you been all my life? Oh, like a Florence Pugh. Like, uh, yeah. put her in everything for sure. I'm like, geez, Louise. Immediate charisma. Yeah, she's great and perfect for it. And just, I love it. Happens a few times through this. And I want to say it now before I forget, but I love how she knows about the suit, obviously. She knows who Mark is and what Mark does. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like she knows that he has DID. Nope. And is fed up with Mark for some reason. We're not sure. She has divorce papers ready for him to sign. Yeah, we in the same scene, we learned that they were married and they were wanting to get divorced. Right. But she's suddenly intrigued because this, the Stephen persona is so like sweet and knowledgeable mm-hmm. and is like into all the same things she is. French poetry and yeah, hieroglyphics. And there's multiple times where, and this is great acting because this is show, don't tell. Exactly. You can just see like it comes across her face where she's like, oh, this is the person I love. Exactly. But it's not the person I love. So I'm so confused. You know I, what I mean? I think that's more important that they let on because if you're like, she keeps yelling at him to drop the act, but. If we're in Steven's position, he's going crazy. Like, yeah. he doesn't know what's going on with his brain. If we're in uh, Layla's perspective, she thought she knew this person wholeheartedly, and now it's something completely different, but some things are carrying over. Mm-hmm. I would argue that it should have been a little bit more chaotic and stressful and a little bit more yelling and confusion, but you have those connectors and those threads that help it. And it's like, oh, you're doing a really good job doing this subtly, I get mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is where Steven gets her involved, and him and Mark yell in the mirror. He's like... Mark's like, don't. Steven's like, I have to. I don't know what else to do. And Mark's like, don't. Yeah, because it it kind of turns out, and it's, again, man, I love the showing and not telling. Mark has separated himself to protect her. Yes. From Conchu. Mm -hmm. So that's why this whole going away to London and getting... Faking his death, apparently, or something. all this kind of... Faking a kidnapping or whatever the heck happened. That's it. It'll all come to play, but there's there's good intentions here. It's just not like this guy's a total jerk, so this is why they're getting a divorce. It's He loves her too, but he's trying to protect her. 
That's it. Yeah. There, there is something interesting that Stephen does have. He says, oh, I like this French poet and I like these hieroglyphics. And she's like, yeah, because I like them. Like, mm-hmm. that, that was our thing. But if you're really some different person, why is it still a thing? And that keeps the connection yeah. going. I really like that. It's interesting. But then the cops show up. Yeah, the cops show up. Is there any significance that they're called uh, Detective Kennedy and Detective Fitzgerald? Yeah, JFK's two last names? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they, they are detectives, but uh, they're also, spoiler alert, they're also cult members. Yeah, and they're part of the Ahmed cult. Yep. And instead of taking him to the... Well, she gets away. She 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 gets the scare him and gets away. And this is where we start finding out that she's got some skills. Absolutely. Because not everyone knows how to climb out a window and hide from the police on the roof. Especially if you're working with a with a Stephen Grant. Yeah. Um, but Stephen gets taken with them and... and he, this isn't where the police station is. You know, he kind of talks like well, from Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> I've Wallace. got the wrong trousers. <laughs> he yeah. talks like Wallace. <laughs> That's not my passport. I've got the wrong passport. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're going through all the stuff, and he's like, I don't know what's going on. And we find out that Mark Spector was at a place where a whole bunch of archaeologists got killed and he's held responsible for it yeah but not only that the bad guys so i put that in air quotes that you can't see but the bad guys let them know and how true can we take this because nothing is as it seems for this show but we learned that mark got the scarab because he took out some archaeologists execution style yeah like bound them and murdered them Mm -hmm. but that's all we get Right. So is Mark a bad guy? Like, right. are, are we now on the side of the bad guy now? It was an interesting little moment. Yeah, and it was a moment for Steven, too, because he's like, what? Because he might be inclined not to believe it, but how many times has he woken up and people have been dead around him? Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that cupcake van, the village full of dead guards. Yeah. Uh, so they don't take him to the police station. They take him to where old Ethan Hawke is with his little... Apparently, it used to be a really bad neighborhood of London. Yep. That everyone in it now is part of his cult. So it's really nice, and people are playing football and... Having fresh tomatoes and lentil soup, and it's the Amit compound for sure. And everything's wonderful here. Isn't it great? And this is where Ethan Hawke has still... He's older now, but he still has that boyish charm that he can put on. Absolutely. He still has that 90s pretty boy heartthrob stuff he can turn on. Mm -hmm. And he's like turning it on here. And it's great because he's playing it so like, hey, man, I'm I'm just a nice guy trying to do a nice thing. Hey, you know what? I used to be Khonshu's avatar. That's it. Um, But... I didn't like what he was doing. It's too mean and stuff. So I went over to Amit now, and I'm doing this thing, and we're going to do Minority Report over here. <laughs> and We're getting rid of crimes precog style. Yeah, and then here's where Steven shows more agency. He's like, does that include children? Yeah. How can you predict who's going to be evil in 30 years? Yeah, and he's like, I don't think I like that very much, sir. <laughs> And then he starts getting surrounded by people. But the yeah. point you make about Ethan Hawke is true. Like, if we're supposed to buy that this dude is a cult leader, you can't just command people. You have to have that charm and that mm-hmm. sense of purpose and the righteousness. And, oh, he delivers it absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the whole, re- yeah, because we learned that he's the previous avatar, which is crazy because, like, why is he no longer? Yeah, right. His explanation is that the retribution came too late. Now we're going to do it before it even happens. The world will be perfect. Mm-hmm. We could stop Hitler. We could stop Pol Pot. We could stop all these genocides. Mm-hmm. And Stephen's like, uh, can you though? 
Like, yeah. is it predetermination? Is it free will? Such heavy concepts delivered in like simple day to day dialogue. Mm-hmm. Oh, real smart. So Layla shows up and she's like, is this scarab the thing you want? Yeah. Basically save Steven. That's it. And they get out of there and she's like, summon the suit. And he's like, what? Summon the suit. What? You know, he doesn't know what to do. But such a great scene. We get to see some of the power, some more of the power. Yes. I guess out of um, Arthur Harrow uh, where he takes the stick. And so did you know that the he takes the stick and he hits the ground and, you know, starts chanting and summons another jackal? I guess. Mm-hmm. But did you know that all the magic in Marvel's color-coded? It's purple. It's purple. Chaos magic? So that purple magic is the dark magic. That's oh, yeah. like in WandaVision. We saw it where Agatha uses it. That's it. And red is the chaos magic, mm-hmm. which was Wanda was dabbling in chaos magic. The yellow-orange is like Eldric magic. Eldritch. Okay. Eldric. Old-timey magic. Old-timey magic. That's Doctor Strange uses that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we get the uh, green. Loki uses green. That's like trickster illusionary, like that, illusions. That's, that's on theme too. Um, and then like the the whiteish, pure stuff is like uh, cosmic magic. That's a like Captain Marvel, and I think Odin oh. uses oh, yeah, that yeah. too. I mean, technically, it's Thor's. That's lightning. Is I think it's kind of whiteish. So that goes back to. I mean, they're doing a great. They're real clever with their consistency and theme. I love that. Big thumbs up. But that goes back to old D and D days. I mean, like Tiamat had five heads to let you know his different magic powers, and they're just keeping that sort of yeah celestial, eldritch, dark chaos. Oh, I love it. It's yeah. on brand. But what we're seeing with Harrow is it's purple magic. So they don't say it, but they let you know through magic. color. It's show don't tell. Yeah, great. And he summons another jackal, and that means that Steven has to don the suit now? Is this the first time we see Steven in the suit? Yeah, he's like, okay, I can summon the suit. And all he does is go, suit! (laughs) (laughs) As he's falling out of a window. Sorry, I love it. He hits a pillar. It looks like it's going wrong. He just yells out, suit! Hits a pillar. He's like, oh, that guy's dead, because he's a nebbish little British guy. Uh But does the superhero landing in the awesome suit, and then falls over. Yeah, it looks like, uh, what is the psychotic Colonel Sanders or something like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I guess that suit is called the Mr. Knight suit. That's what the internet says. Yeah. So I guess in the comics that was like a suit that was like made for some reason. But in this one, it's kind of neat that it's just the suit of another persona. With its own unique weapons, which I think is an interesting touch. Because yeah. he's like messing around, he starts dancing, he's like, I got these two. And then he just pulls out two like beaten sticks. He's like, what do these do? <laughs> I look cool, but I don't know what they do. It's great. And then he proceeds to fight with this invisible jackal. Yeah. I love this fight scene so much. Visible to him, invisible to everyone else. That's the cool part about it is we get the perspective of everybody else. Yeah. So if we're tying on this theme of like, this guy is mentally unwell. Yeah, he's fighting nothing. He's fighting nothing. He's punching in air. But he's getting hurt. Yeah. He's running into the street, almost get run over by buses. It's like what we're talking about with the Ant-Man fight scene where the different perspectives help give you oh, yeah. an enjoyment of it. This is another thing. It's like, oh, this guy might just be mentally ill, but... We on the inside know that, oh, there's an invisible jackal that's about to tear him mm-hmm. in two. There's a lot of Easter eggs in the scene. There's where we see the top of the bus that has the code of the comic that he was originally in. Oh, we okay. also see GRC advertisement on the side of the bus. Okay. That's the Global Reclamation Corporation or whatever. The, oh, the from, GRC. I yeah. forget what they, but it's from Falcon and Winter, Falcon Sol- Winter Soldier. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Tying everything all together. 
as Marvel is great at doing. I mean, they're thinking a couple steps ahead of us. Because people are trying to figure out what part of the blip is. Do you want to hear this crazy theory, too? Always. There's a crazy theory out there that the reason why Mark Spector was able to have control for so long Mm -hmm. is that his other personas blipped. Oh, that makes it. I mean, I'd, I'd buy into it. Which would mean that his other personas are not actual souls. So he's a multi-soul It's not person. just personality splitting his brain. Right. It's actually there's mm-hmm. like, there's three people inside mm-hmm. you. So that means if the ancient one punched the soul out of him, that like three would come out. That's awesome. You know what I, I mean? I love it. Which one would come out first, though? That's I don't the know. Question. But isn't, but that, isn't that interesting? That's super interesting and would fit into comic book sort of storytelling. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So that's kind of the theory that that is why he had it under control and now he doesn't. That's it? Because they, I don't think they've said when this is set, what year it's in. Oh, whether it's post-blip or pre-blip? Well, it is post-blip now, we know, because we saw that GRC thing. Yes. But we don't know when it's post-blip exactly. Because the timeline of Marvel is actually in the future right now. Yep. Because I think it was like... 2025 or something like that? Yeah, I think 2025 is when Hawkeye was happening. That's right. And they give us, like I said, they're giving us no location names, no time title exactly. cards. Exactly. We don't even, I mean, we black out when Mark, when Steve and Mark do. It's like, how much time has just gone by? Exactly. We don't know. It's interesting. But yeah, this is a this is a great fight scene. He does get one good shot in, but then the jackal starts taking. He doesn't have the skills. Yep. So the jackal starts getting him to the point where he's like, "Okay, man, Mark, go ahead and I, do your thing. I give you control." And then we turn back into cape and cowl. Yeah. And then the jackal's done for, but not with that. Not before we get the cool like Batman esque. Sorry to say it, but it's super Batman. They're jumping rooftop to rooftop, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he times it out, and he's like, "All right, you're right behind me. Let's go." And then he grabs the jackal and spiky death. Yes, but then realizes he lost the scarab and gets real mad, gets real upset, and arg- argues with himself. That's it, because the little. It's a pyramid <laughs> that he impaled him on has mirrors on it. But this is the first time we see Steven arguing from inside the mirror yeah. and Mark is in control. Yeah, I don't like it in here. And we're getting, yeah, he's like, oh, is this how it feels? But this is, as the audience, this is our perspective of like getting a little bit more info about the actual control sequence. He's mm-hmm. like, try as hard as you want, but you gave me permission. I'm going to take that to full advantage. Mm-hmm. And then Conchu shows up and is like, hey, man, you lost my scarab. You said you had control. Yep. You don't seem to have control. And this is also where Kanchu threatens him that Layla is the next planned avatar. Yeah. Like, because, I think this is where we get the mention of it. You're broken and messed up. I need to go into somebody else. We're getting all the weight here. And I'm going into her. But first, we have to go to Egypt. Yep. And that's where we get the shot, where we get to see that the pyramids are right next to the city. Yep. Mission accomplished. Now we know. But now we also know that Harrow picks up the scarab, kills a homeless dude. Layla sees that go down. So uh, Harrow's still in the fight. He's still after his mission. Yep. We don't know what he wants the scarab for still just yet, but we know that he has it, which is, don't give the bad guy what he wants. Mm-hmm. But we do find out the scarab is a compass in the friendly type. Oh, man, they are like pulling straight out of They're like, we love Indiana Jones. Absolutely. And we're going to show you in this episode. <laughs> How much we love Indiana Jones. I mean, it is like visual reference after visual reference after visual reference. Even like, because, yeah, they're, they're looking for the Senfu sarcophagi, mm-hmm. and he goes to talk to a guy that looks like Indiana Jones' buddy from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that played Gimli. What's that dude's name? Um, 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 John Reese davies Yeah. 
it's that character because yeah. he's got the same fez on and he's like, yeah. oh, you're looking for Senfu? Why? And then, but Layla shows up. She's like, hey, I'm in Egypt too because uh, I love that little scene where we see her woman in the chair. Like, we don't know this person, but it's like you get all the history. Oh, making the passport, yeah. Yeah, it's like I worked with your dad. I'm looking after you. He's like, is that an auntie? Is that a mom? Mm-hmm. Never tell us, but you get the relationship. But then she's like, off to Cairo. See you later. Mm-hmm. And she says, shows up too, but not before we get Mark. Yeah, it is Mark at this point. Yep. See, I'm already getting confused. Mark's in, Mark's in charge now. But he's running rooftops trying to get informants, but yep. jumping time and, like, stabbing people, mm-hmm. and Steven's trying to hold him back. Yeah, and then this is where we get the first sign that there's another. Yes. Because he says to Steven, what did you do? And he goes, I didn't do anything. Yep. And he's like, uh, what? If you don't know and I don't know, then who does know? Exactly. I think Ethan Hawke hinted at this, that it like there are points when Kanchu just gets real fed up and takes over, so it may just be Kanchu is the third. But Well, there's supposed to be three. Yes. In the comics, there's three. Okay. There's the millionaire playboy, there's the mercenary guy, mm-hmm. and then there's a cab driver. Oh, okay. So that's the, that's the three different personas. And I think the cab driver is kind of a psychopath. Like a taxi driver kind of thing? Yes. Okay. A straight taxi driver (laughs) reference. That'd be awesome. You know, comics, how they go. (laughs) That was a funny part. When he wakes up in the taxi, just like, where are we going? He's like, you said airport. And he's like, no, let me out. And then he gets out and the thugs are still there. They're like, just leave us alone. And it continues. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that's the, and that's why a lot of people think that third persona is is that taxi, because he's in a taxi. I think that's a nod to that, so... It could be um, a good hint. Yeah. This is where we get Kanshu helping out a little bit. He says, I got a bad idea. We're going to... Yeah, he's like... Cause it, cause, I'm going to mess with the sky. Because Spectre has the guy by the tie. Yep. And he's like, he's like, tell me what, what's going on. Praise Amit. And he's praise Amit. And he cuts his own tie and falls to his death. Sacrificial death. What? And then, and then Mark's like, well, I don't know what to do anymore. And Kanshu's like, I got an idea. A bad idea. Yeah. And he messes with this guy. He causes a solar eclipse. Yeah, a lunar eclipse. A lunar eclipse, obviously. Moon. moon. Yeah. But this brings the attention of what we, we hinted at for the last, like, it hinted at it twice in the first episode, one time in the third episode, the Aeneid. Yeah. The Gathering of the Gods. Gathering we the actually God. get to see them. In the Great Pyramid of Giza is where they meet. I did say something that, like, yes, it's in the Pyramid of Giza, but it's also might possibly be, like, Doctor Strange portal out of time, multidimensional right, space. Right, right, sure. Well, I mean, it would kind of have to be because they've discovered what's in the Pyramid of Giza. Yeah. And that's not what's in there. But they're bringing... Or is it? They're bringing the heavy hitter name. We got Yasto as the Avatar of Hathor. Horus is there. Isis is there. Tefnut, Osiris. I mean, these are the actual gods from the ancient lore. Mm-hmm. This is the creator saying, we're we're being faithful to this mythology. And here, here they come. Mm-hmm. So all the avatars are in there. Mark's in there, and he's. He, this is where you know Conju's like, I'm talking through you now, man. Oscar Isaac does something crazy with his neck when he like when Conju's talking. It sounds like it's being forced out of him. Right? Yeah. It's 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 great, and it's a third, technically a third personality right. on top of the two that he's already doing flawlessly. He, I, I can't say enough about Oscar Isaac's acting in this because like when he is the different people he is the different people he changes his body posture the way he walks absolutely everything it's great and none of it is bad no none of it's bad at all so it's basically you know i call amit's avatar because 
he's trying to do something bad. He's trying to kill babies. And they bring him in there. And, of course, then he's like super charming Ethan Hawke again. Hey, man. This guy's insane. This guy's crazy. He's so broken. How are you going to listen to him over me? He's got so many people stuck in his head. What's going on? Didn't you see my movies in the 90s? Aren't you a fan? <laughs> like, yeah. It's Ethan Hawke just eating up the scenery. <laughs> I know Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see my band play? It's going to be real cool. We got fresh tomatoes and lentil soup. <laughs> totally. Basically, Conchu loses the um, what art of... I, it's a, it's, I don't know if it's a trial or whatever. It's more of a... Seems like a trial, yeah. but yep. And they're like, take a hike, dude, and stop causing problems. Because apparently we also learned he's been outcast before, yeah. but now they, they say, hey, quit causing problems, or this time we're going to put you in stone. Yeah. yeah, this time we mean it. Yeah, don't mess with this guy. This time you're going to be a statue forever. Yeah. He's like, the people stopped, and basically they do a little, little tiny telling of what's going on with mm-hmm. them and saying that, hey, people stopped worshiping us, so we don't care about them anymore. Oh, and this is basically what it amounted to. And uh, I caught this. It's tying into what the Eternals talked about. The gods are still around, but now it's like hands off. Like we're just observing through these avatars, but we're no longer getting involved in the conflicts of man. Mm -hmm. Like have at it. Mm -hmm. It, That's all we heard in Eternals. So it's cool that they're sort of keeping that philosophy going. Yeah, but I kind of liked how this one, he literally said they stopped worshiping us. Yeah. So like it's it's as if if they do worship us, we'll get involved. Yeah. Which explains why Amit's like doing stuff. And Conchu, which are apparently the two that are currently out of the Indian. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So Hathor's avatar, Yatzel, pulls him aside and is like, hey, man, I get it. Amit's bad news. And I can tell you how to get to the tomb. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it's like, there's a star map that says where it is. And it's, it's over in the sarcophagus. And he's like, okay. And then he goes to Layla and he's like, this is in the sarcophagus. And she's like, oh, good news. I know who owns that sarcophagus. (laughs) Convenient, but awesome. Yeah. Because especially because like she knows how to get to the island because she's been on adventures. She has her own agency. She's a a, a cool history, archaeology, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones person herself. Yes. Tomb Raider. Very Tomb Raider vibes, Tomb Raider, I feel, absolutely. out of her. There, that's, that's the perfect comparison. Laura Croft. Absolutely. But then she also makes a passing comment when they're on the boat to go check out the sarcophagus. It's like she makes some reference to an incident in Madripoor. Yeah. Like, not only are they tying it together, it's like, we know Madripoor. Only yeah. badasses hang out there. And yeah. you've been there and survived? Okay. Yeah. It's like the that guy who deals in antiquities. Yep. And then we know that Madripoor had that kind of stuff going on with the power broker. That's, that's all these kind of players. Yeah. But now we get the Egyptian flavored one, which is the silliest name, I think, in the show. But his his I guess they refer to him by his last name like a lord, but it's Mogart. <laughs> Okay, Mogart. Yeah, and he's like doing some crazy lance stuff on horseback, and but apparently that's a real like competition battle. Yeah. Like it's performance, obviously, but it actually comes from ancient actual battle techniques. The El Marmot. Yeah, he even mentions he likes to keep the traditions up, even though you know I don't. <laughs> did Mark Spector make a Medieval Times reference, or he, he was? <laughs> I don't think he yeah. directly made a Medieval Times reference, but he was kind of acting like it was like. What's this you're doing right now? He's putting he's horse being, shows on in his backyard. Yeah, he's being real dismissive yep. about it. Um, and she's like, no, he's rich enough to put these on in his own backyard. Yeah. 
So they act like they're buyers or something, and they go over to look at the sarcophagus, and yep, there's the map. Mm -hmm. But before they can get it, oh, here Harrow shows up again. Be his charming, weird, cultish self. Yeah, and then he's like, let me show off some of the stuff that I can do over here and destroy this sarcophagus of yours. Yeah, just melt it. The interesting tidbit right before that, though, is like this is the this is the flip of the coin. This is where Stephen would excel if he mm-hmm. was given control of the body. Right, right. If he right. was piloting the ship, but right, Mark's right. like, no, I can't let that happen. But they probably could have avoided all of this conflict had Stephen been allowed to be yep. his his Egyptian nerd self. Exactly, you're right. Interesting. There was interesting stuff. Just devolves. Oh, chaos! Like like, and it's it's kind of funny how Ethan Hawke is like. Chaos deuces. <laughs> I'm leaving now. Yep. Have fun getting speared by those horse javelins. Yeah. Oh, that was such a brutal fight in yeah. that little like pen. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't take him down. Like we learned no. that the cow helped him fly. We uh-huh. learned that the cow is kind of bulletproof. Uh-huh. He even does a random bull go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he starts he was like stuff? he like caught all the bullets in the cow and then threw them back. That's it. That was really cool. And then we find out that Layla is not a damsel in distress either. She uses, like, her necklace is actually, like... Two blades. Two blades. I was fully convinced that the dude she killed on the sarcophagus was going to complete some, like, ritual or something. Oh, I thought that was going to I don't back. know, but the way she flies across, she's like... Oh, great. But it, there's that whole funny bit in the, in the middle of it where Stephen, Mr. Knight, comes out. Oh yes, and he's like he's like all right, everybody, time out, time out. Let's take a breather. And that's when he starts taking some of the spears through him, and he's like, okay, never mind, tag me back in. <laughs> yeah. But then Mark shows back up and gets taken down by five spears and still keeps going, and yeah. then still saves the day. He saves Layla from uh, Mogart, whatever that silly name is, mm-hmm. and they get away. Like they they save the day. And yeah, then they have they have to they go grab the pieces. Of the star chart. What they got from the sarcophagus, yeah, yeah. on papyrus, but it's all blown to pieces thanks to uh, Ethan Hawke over there. That's true. And they're trying to put it together, and Spectre's getting all frustrated, and then Layla's like, you know who could put that together? Mm-hmm. Steven could put that together. They finally put. They finally figured it out. You know, and he's like, I don't want to, and he's like, okay. Uh. And he puts it together in like 10 seconds. Yeah. He's like, oh, there it is. There you go. Not before they sneak in a shadow, Layla looking over at him like... Yeah, that's another moment where she's like... Oh, I think I might love you. Yeah, it's great. Especially because they, they did have really good sort of almost divorced couple chemistry mm-hmm. on the boat over there. Right, right, right. And on the, the drive away from yeah. escaping the whole chaos that mm-hmm. went down. It's really good chemistry. It's yeah. strained. You can tell they have a history. Yeah. But you, we still don't know exactly what it's that is. great. The, the two of them are great together. It's great chemistry. It's wonderful. Absolutely. And then conscious, then he's like, okay, here's what it looked like. And he's like, uh, but this would look like thousands of years ago. Let me just rotate yeah. the sky. And Conchu's like, oh, I remember what it looked like on that night. Let's rotate the whole sky. I believe it. That's God powers. It's a little convenient, but it's so cool to see it in effect. But I immediately, like, we had that trial and they were like, never mess with the sky again. And he's like, I'll just mess with the sky. And I'm like, no, weren't you listening, you mm-hmm. dummy? And that does, that leads to him being put into stone. He does rotate the sky so they get the yeah. answer. So it, it was for a worthy cause, but that was his last strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a clever bit of writing because I, I did call him a dummy, but he does 
tells Stephen, he talks to Stephen, he's like, I know what I'm doing. Tell Mark to free me. I know that this is going to have consequences, so just let Mark know what I'm doing and have him free me. Mm-hmm. Which leads to, we see Kanchu being put into a statue, and Harrow shows up again because he always knows where to be. He's talking to Osiris, and they're sort of bonding, and Osiris is like, oh, Amit, yeah, you're the Avatar. You seems like you're doing right. But then Harrow's like, can I talk to the statue like it's my old master and just be creepy about it? He's like, okay. But this is where we get to find out more about Harrow being the old Avatar. He's Mm -hmm. like, you broke me. You destroyed me. But your torment forged me. I owe my victory to you. It's like, what? (laughs) So creepy and charismatic. I know. It's great. And that's where it left us. That's that's the end of episode three. Yeah. I, I think I have more questions than I have answers. I do too. So three episodes in, I'm I'm pretty on board. Are we gonna give it a mid pizza rating or are we gonna wait till are we gonna wait till the end? I say we give it a, a, a loose pizza rating All and right. then we can adjust it when we wrap up. All but right, here's some here's some hypotheticals before we get there. Yeah, let's get there. Uh or before we get there. Do you think Mark and Steve will ever meld? Like, will they keep them separate, or do you think they'll have, like, a come-together bro moment and just, like, we'll be the same person? I don't know. Did you get that impression? I, you know, like, yeah, like, come work together Yeah, more. Like, this is your deal, this is my deal. Yeah. I don't know, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do with it. They pretty much just use the comics as a touchstone, so you can only infer so much from what's happened in the comics before. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like we said, w- with with comics, I mean, the the neat thing is is that the lore of comics is so malleable because they're always reintroducing the characters, and you know, there'll be like three. Well, for the big ones like yep. Spider Man stuff, there'll be three, four books running concurrently with all different things happening and different writers. Yeah, yeah, that's why they always have they make the different Earths and the different multiverses and all the things like that because you kind of have to. So the neat thing about comics is that they can like pull from stuff but make new stuff. That's so, true. Yeah, I I don't know if they've ever done that before, but I think I could swear once I I, I saw a reference to one of the Moon Knight comics where. He literally like called all a meeting of all his personalities. Okay. And they had to work together to de- defeat an enemy at some point. Like Avengers Justice League yeah, style. But all in one person. That so. makes sense. So yeah. Seems like they're doing something new though. Like I, I I'm not familiar with Moon Knight comics at all, but it seems like they're giving their fresh take on it and mm-hmm. I'm really excited about where it's going. Mm-hmm. And I already called it, but my other hypothetical is Layla totally falls in love with Steven. Like, oh yeah, might divorce Mark, but she's giving him those looks. I'm like, <laughs> there's a love triangle happening. I can smell a it. love triangle, a love triangle with two people. Yep, but she's gonna go for the nerd rather over the the cowl and cape. The cowl and cape <laughs> is done now. Now she wants Mister Knight. <laughs> but I might be wrong. Who? Know? I mean, hey, we still got three more episodes to go. Yeah. Uh, pizza rating for me. We're halfway through. I will do it this way. I'll give it half a pizza already. I have really no complaints. So it gets it's it's on its way to a full pizza. Oh, that's not, a good way to do it. I like it. Yes, I'm, that's a good way to do it. I'm not taking away any slices. Uh, I will say one last thing to keep dragging this out. Sorry, but uh, it gets it would get two toppings just for my favorite scene alone, which we didn't talk about previously. But there's two scenes where Mark goes and talks to a street performer. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a gold statue man. Yeah. This is so, it, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but it blew my mind. 
So this whole show is dealing with actual Egyptian mythology and gods and gods that grant people powers and Mm -hmm. avatars and curses and judgments and people dying, right? Stephen being the the weak, the meek sort of British trying to get out of everybody's way is the street level view of interacting with a god. But it's this gold statue man. He gives him a food offering, which is pralines. He starts talking to him about his problems like, I got this date that I don't remember scheduling. I'm supposed to go eat steak. What What should I do? And the gold statue man gives him no response. That's like somebody going up to a gold statue of their god and being like, here's my food offering. Here's my questions. What should I do? And then go fit like, I don't know. It's just a really sort of interesting juxtaposition of the religion that we're getting mm-hmm. and religion, how it might be viewed outside of this world. And oh, that scene is so, it's so inconsequential, but probably my favorite scene in the, all of these three episodes. Yeah, for for me too. I'm on board with you. This is gets the full half pizza. Oh, yep. <laughs> I like two and a half pizza for a half show. It's great. <laughs> to me, it's supreme. I don't have a single complaint about no. anything that's happened. I got nothing to take away. I got nothing to take away. Okay. On this. It's it's great. I love seeing people we know, like Ethan Hawke, do something different and great. Yes. I love seeing Oscar Isaac deliver when I thought he would. Being three different people. Um, I I love when I meet new actors like May Kalamui. Yes, that's just great. It, it, it's great. I mean, everyone's everyone's doing a good job on this. There you go. So far, so we'll see. We get three more episodes. They said it was supposed to be an ongoing series, but we hinted at this at Eternals. But I think they make this. They're making this a limited series so they can tie it in quicker to the Midnight Suns arc that we talked about in our Eternals yeah. episode. So go back and listen to that for our comments about the Midnight Suns. So we obviously really like Moon Knight, and we want you guys to let us know what you think so far of Moon Knight. Yeah, what would we get wrong? What do we miss? What what are the Easter eggs that made you smile? Yeah, let us know. You can hit us up on all our socials at AssumingPod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Instagram mostly because it's pictures and it's fun. Uh, We also want you to send us a letter via email. Electronic mail. Assumingpositions at gmail.com. Daka. Every week I ask Mikey, how would you like the email formatted? Uh, This is creepy, but be a god and just use your voice into my brain. Just be con- just deliver it conchu style and be like, you worm, you're supposed to think this about the show. And I'll be like, okay, I'm sorry I'm late, bro. Isn't it? We bit tickly. <laughs> oh that's great i'm sorry i destroyed Uh, the loo we want to thank you guys uh so much for listening and we also have a great big announcement we will be at acon 31 in irving texas june 3rd through 5th of this year 2022 head out there uh we are doing our Nerd Talk Radio panel. One of our favorites. And um, we'll probably be running around doing all kinds of other stuff. So come on out to Acon. It seems like it's the hotels are selling out. So <laughs> it seems like it's going to be a big deal. Come say hi. So we'll see you there. Uh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please rate, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, ring the bell. We don't have a bell to ring. But anyway. <laughs> Smash that button. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. Uh, we also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, not Scott Productions for our equipment, Jazzar for our music, and we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll see you back next week. Same time, same channel. Praise Amit. I mean, no, can't you? No. Oh, no. <laughs> you, um...
Let me have control of the body. No, me. 